morning, Crossroads, and Merry Christmas. Who's ready to celebrate Christmas this year? Are you guys with me on this? Are we ready to dive in? Uh, I am really glad that you are with us today. And the bottom line is today we're diving into week two of this series called The Second Best Christmas Ever. With the reality being that we believe without question the best Christmas ever was the Christmas 2,000 years ago when God sent Jesus to planet Earth and gave us the ultimate gift. And last week we talked a little bit about this, how that's the best moment ever because we get this gift that we did not deserve, this gift that we possibly couldn't earn. It's the gift that we have in Jesus. And I would contend with you today that the second best Christmas ever is the Christmas where you fully embrace and encounter all that Jesus is, the hope, the peace, the joy, the love that we experience in him. Because the reality is, I believe with all my heart, Jesus changes everything. And so it's my goal that this Christmas season, it can be the second best Christmas ever because we are fully embracing this gift that God has given us and celebrating how he has changed and continues to change each and every one of our lives. And so I'm excited today to dive into week two of this series and talk about peace. Because peace is amazing. It's much more than just like, peace, man. It's way, it's way deeper than that, all right? So that's exciting. You can flash the peace sign and have a good time with that today. But this is about a peace that passes all understanding. This is a peace from God that guards our hearts and mind. It challenges us in, in Scripture. This can be a peace that rules uh, the very way that we live. And I love in Scripture when it uses that word, when it rules you, uh, it's talking about the same word that you would use for like an umpire or a referee in a sporting event. And that's fresh for me. Yesterday I ran a clock for a middle school basketball game. I was the clock guy. And I, <laughs> I got to be honest, I give myself like a B minus for how well I ran the clock. I found out that when you volunteer for positions like that, very rarely do you get fired. I don't even know how you get fired from that. But if you could, Honestly, I might have been at the end of the first half because uh, not only am I running the clock for this game, but I'm cheering for my boys who are on the court. And so I'm very easily distracted anyway. Uh, there was 2.7 seconds left at the end of the first half, and they inbounded the ball to my son. And I'm supposed to click the clock to run it, and I totally forgot. I'm like, go, go. And he takes this half-court shot at which I realize as I'm watching the ball go, the clock's still at 2.7. And I just went, oh, click. It, it, it hits the backboard, it halt, you know, hits the ground, everybody's looking, and then the buzzer sounds two seconds later. Like, sorry about that, my bad. Great shot, Jacob. <laughs> I'm not very good, I'm not very good. Also, the way the game started, you know, the guest team scored a basket, they went down, somebody, you know, the, blue, the whistle blew, and, and somebody's like, hey, the guest team scored. I'm like, I know, I saw that. You put it on the scoreboard. Oh, yeah, I forgot, that's my job. I... I if you could get fired for that job, <laughs> I would have been fired yesterday. But I had a great time talking to the referee. I learned all about how you become a referee for sporting events in the local area. There's an association. I did not know that. You can be part of this. And uh, this referee, this was his 13th and 14th game ever officiating. So he was like new to the whole thing. And I think he did a very good job in the first game. The second game, he had a struggle, and there were people who were yelling and not very happy with him because, listen, when you're a referee, you make the call, and that call stands, right? Like, you blow the whistle, and whatever you call, that's how it goes. And people are not happy with some of the calls that you make sometimes. I witnessed that yesterday. It was very awkward. But the reality is, when it comes to the peace of God in our lives, that is to rule the way that we live. And I want you to think about what that means because... The peace that we have with God 
really is something that can't be achieved un unless you have received this gift of Jesus, unless you've fully embraced who he is and what he has done for you. And so when you experience that peace, when it challenges us in Scripture to let that peace rule your life, that means stay in that place in your life where you are fully experiencing the peace of God. Don't let there become any barrier between you and your relationship with him that would ruin that, that would create a barrier, that would create tension between you and your relationship with God. Let, let the peace of God rule your life. So when you begin to stray and you're not feeling the peace, that's peace blowing the whistle on you. Whoop, get back on track. The peace, it guards your heart, it guards your mind, it keeps you exactly where you want to be. I always challenge people when you're praying about how to you know, make a big decision in your life, I always give two pieces of advice. Pray for wisdom, because God will give you wisdom. Pray for that, seek his face, seek his will, ask for wisdom, and then pray for peace. If you can ask for God's wisdom and get clear direction, feel peace about that decision you're making, I don't know what you can do beyond that. Pray for wisdom, pray for peace, and then walk boldly through the doors that God opens for you. Peace. It's so important. It guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. And I, I want to encourage you today to think about peace in terms of the big story of what God has done for us. We celebrate the gift of Jesus at Christmas, his birth. He came to planet Earth, though, to pay a price that we could not pay. He came to give us this gift that we don't deserve. He came to heal this relationship with God that had been broken from the very beginning. And I think it's important for us to start today at the beginning in Genesis because it sets, it sets up the whole idea of what we're talking about because it, it, it builds the foundation for the why. And what you realize is that when God created the heavens and earth, you go all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, what you realize is that when God created everything, he stepped back and he saw that everything he had created was good. It was perfect. It was exactly how he wanted it to be. And then what you see happening is that sin enters into the world. The serpent comes, deceives Adam and Eve, says, did God really say don't eat from the fruit of the tree? They buy the lie. They choose to do their own thing and follow their own path. And what happens? They eat from the fruit. They break the one rule that God had given them. And suddenly sin now has entered into the world. It's broken this perfect creation that God had. And up until that moment, there's a beautiful description of what the relationship between God and man looked like. Because it says that at dusk, every day, just as the sun is setting, in the garden, the presence of God would come down, and he would walk with Adam and Eve, he would talk with them, they would have fellowship. There's this, there's this picture of a beautiful relationship, an intimate friendship between God and between man. And it's a beautiful thing. It's unbroken. It's unblemished. There is peace. But what we see is that as soon as Adam and Eve sin, they choose to do their own thing, that is broken. Immediately, it says that that night after they ate from the fruit, God came to walk with them and talk with them like he had always done. And when the presence of God arrived, because they had sinned, now they realized they were naked. They were ashamed. They ran in fear, and they hid from God. What was previously a beautiful and perfect relationship, that had all been broken. And so what you see in the story of God and man is that all through the Old Testament, the only way that they could hope to restore that peace, that relationship with God, 
was through sacrifice. And you would see that all through the Old Testament, the importance of, of the temple, the, the central nature that played to life itself as families would go together to present sacrifice for their family, for their sins, for that year. And it's in that moment of sacrifice that they're doing everything they can to pre- present themselves an offering to God to, to restore that relationship, to be blameless, to be pure. And that's the old covenant that God had between us and him. It was all based on this sacrifice. And I think it's important to understand the history of that, to realize the significance of what it means when we say we've been given this extraordinary gift of Jesus because Jesus represents the new covenant, this New Testament that we see uh, in the Bible. It's the new covenant between us and God because no longer do we have to make sacrifice for our sins. You guys, Jesus is the sacrifice. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. He's given us this gift, this beautiful opportunity to have a restored relationship with God that we can't possibly earn on our own. Jesus really does change everything. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you receive that gift, you are able to experience a restored relationship with God. You are able to experience peace, real peace. And we talk about the reality that Jesus changes everything, but I I hope that you understand the significance of that. If I don't believe in God, then there really isn't any purpose to life, right? I'm, I'm just a cosmic accident. This is it. There's no future. There's no hope. But if I believe in Jesus, that changes everything. I believe that I've been created by God. I've been created in his image, that he breathed the breath of life into me, that I've been created for God, that he has a purpose and a plan for my life. I believe because of Jesus that I have a hope and I have a future. Everything changes. Jesus really is the answer to all of, the, of life's deepest questions. And at the end of that is this reality that Jesus offers us peace. He restores our broken relationship with God. And today as we dive into this Christmas story, as we talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist, I, I want you to lean in to the realization that you can have peace with God. Your relationship with him doesn't have to be broken. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be overcome by your guilt and your shame because we have this extraordinary gift that God has given us. We are all recipients of his grace, that loving kindness, that that love that goes before us, that draws us to him. It's an incredible expression, this grace of God's love for us. In the New Testament, the word for grace is actually pronounced charis, and you can't say it without making that awful noise, Uh, I don't know why, but that's just how it is. Uh, in fact, if you just want to turn to your neighbor and wherever you're sitting today, just, just say that. Let's just say grace together. Haris. Just say it one more time together. One, one two, three. Haris. Bless you. It's okay. Uh, you're going, Tim, what does that even mean? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's Greek. It's Greek. Uh, it is the word for God's loving kindness. It reinforces that idea that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. He really has paid the price that we could not pay. He's taken one gigantic step toward us and we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in shame. That broken relationship can be restored. And I want you to lean into that today. I want this to be an amazing Christmas season for you because you are embracing the peace that Jesus gives you. 
I want your relationship with him to be up to date. I want you to be able to walk in his blessing and in his favor and to walk in his peace this Christmas season. So thinking about that, keeping that in mind, uh, let's dive in. I want to start by reading this passage of scripture from Isaiah chapter 9. It's a prophecy that speaks to the birth of Jesus and all that he is going to bring to the table. And I just want you to listen to this. This isn't on any of the slides. Isaiah chapter 9, it just says this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. What a beautiful description that is of, of who God is and who Jesus is and why he came to planet Earth. To be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, truly the Prince of Peace. That peace changes everything. Because when I have peace with God, that is the inner calm that comes from the confidence in the relationship that I have with him based on what Jesus has done for me. God's grace has made this possible. That's the gift that he's given me. And because of what God has done, because of that grace, I can experience peace. Peace with God. So let's think about that as we dive into this, this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah was a priest in the temple. He was responsible for handling all of the sacrifices that the people of, of God brought to the temple to make their sacrifice, to, to restore their relationship, to make themselves right with God. And he was one of the chosen who was asked to go into the sacred place in the temple, the Holy of Holies, and light the incense of flame to God. And this was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. In fact, many priests went through their entire career as a priest without experiencing this moment. It was an unbelievable moment for Zechariah. And here's Zechariah uh, getting the honor of going into the sacred place to light the incense in the presence of God himself. And here's Zechariah who has this unbelievable opportunity and yet knows he's been praying for a child for his entire life. Him and his wife Elizabeth are getting up in years, they're old, she was never able to have a child, and this has been something that's weighed on him for his entire life. He carries that with him. It's been a struggle. But here he is, he's going into this most sacred of places to light incense in the presence of God. And it says in Scripture in Luke 1 that while he is in this most sacred place, that Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears to Zechariah. And he has an incredible message for him. He says, Zechariah, listen, man, you are going to have a son. And we want you to name him John. And he's not just any child. He is going to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. He is going to lead all kinds of people into the forgiveness of their sins and prepare the way for the Lord. And this is an unbelievable message that the angel appears to Zechariah and gives to him in this most sacred place. And of course, Zechariah responds by saying, well, how can I know this is true? Because people are dumb in that moment. I don't know why, but they are. Like, there's an angel appearing to you. It's telling you this directly from God. He's like, well, how do I know it's true? Because you're talking to an angel. 
Anyway, that's just my own personal rant. How do I know this will be true? <laughs> At which point Gabriel's like, duh, people. And he says, uh, well, because you didn't believe, Zechariah, now you won't be able to speak until this, this promise comes true. And Zechariah's like, no, no, I changed my mind. I... And that's a problem. You know, he, he can't talk anymore. And so he leaves this sacred place. The angel of God has appeared to him, given this, this amazing message, this amazing promise. And when he comes out, he can't speak. People finally realize he's seen this vision. God has appeared to him, but he cannot communicate. It, it's, he can't. And so what happens? The promise comes true. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Nine months later, she gives birth to a son. And it says that when they gather to celebrate the baby boy, to give him his name, that the family members just start to say, hey, it's Zachariah's son. We should name him Zechariah. And it's at that point that Zechariah is like, he writes on the tablet. It's not an iPad, just like an actual, like, stone, you know, whatever. I don't know how that went out. Writes on the tablet. His name is John. His name is His name is John. And that's the first words he's said now for over nine months. His name is John. And everybody, it says, in this, in this massive gathering of people is shocked. They're all shocked because suddenly Zechariah can speak. And I want you to think about the power of this moment because for, for over nine months, Zechariah has not been able to communicate all that he has been processing, the word that God had given him, the amazing opportunity that his son can have to be the one who prepares the way for the promised Messiah that they've been looking forward to for 400 years. The realization, all of this being processed for nine months, and it all comes out in this prophecy that Zechariah says in this moment. His name is John. Everybody looks at him. And it says, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and he has redeemed his people. He has paid the price that we could not pay. He's given us a gift that we don't deserve. He's bought us back. That's redemption. He's recognizing right now God has redeemed us. And I want to encourage you today. You, you can experience peace because God has redeemed you. Can I just be real with you? I think one of the biggest lies that we let the devil tell us and that we believe is that I'm beyond being saved. I'm, I've walked too far away. I've done too many things that there's no way that God could do this for me. I just, I say it again, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. He offers this gift to you. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can experience this peace. And I'm praying today that every one of us can experience this peace of God, that it can rule our hearts, that it can guard us, that it can guide us in the name of Christ Jesus. This peace that completes, completes you, it gives you inner calm, and it comes from the confidence of having this relationship with him. There, there's nothing that compares to that peace because that relationship with God has been made right. I want you to experience that. There's nothing worse than having tension 
in a relationship. You know, I've shared this before, and I know you don't believe it, but it's true. Uh, when I went off to college my freshman year of college, I went down to Clearwater Christian College uh, because why not? It's Florida, and I could get out of northern Indiana and go to Florida for college. Why would you not do that? Uh, Dana, we were dating already. She went to Olivet, which is over in Kankakee, Illinois. So we were 1,000 miles away from each other. And that was back in the day, in the 90s. I don't know if anybody remembers the 90s, a long time ago. Uh, sync, Backstreet Boys, that era. <laughs> Collective soul, I'll just keep going. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. I, saved by the bell, stuff like that. Um, Back in the 90s, the long-distance relationship was a lot more difficult than it is. They have FaceTime. Like, we live in the future now. I mean, you guys realize that, right? We live in the future. People are going into space now on a regular basis. Uh, back in the 90s, if I wanted to call Dana and talk to her, I had to do that with a phone card because I was broke. So I'd get a card that had like 100 minutes on it, and then I would have to just like time out our, our conversations. Like, Dana, I have 10 minutes to talk. We have one minute left. And then if you're like getting in an argument, like everything's not right, it's like, hey, listen, I understand you have a disagreement, but we have one minute to wrap this up. Can you? And then the phone call goes dead. It's like, Mah. And then you can't really even email because back in those days it was Juno. Juno, anybody remember that? Like AOL was just coming out with their CD disc. So you get at Walmart and you put that in your computer and you're like, click. Welcome. You've got mail. And that was how it worked. That's, that's just it. I'm telling you how that was back in the 90s. And so it was, it was difficult to communicate. It wasn't great. And then like two months into this whole long-distance relationship, at the end of one of those phone calls, I got like one minute on the phone call. I'm like, Dana, how's it going? She's like, yeah, I met this European guy. He's great. We should end our relationship. See it. Hello. That creates tension, you guys. <laughs> tension in a relationship. What, what, what European guy? What? There was a European guy. I had to fight for her. I, she broke up with me. I was tense. I knew I, I loved her and I wanted to marry her, but she was in love with a European guy. <laughs> there was like two weeks there where I was single and in my depression, I went on on seven different dates in eight days. <laughs> trying to recover. <laughs> but I'd already purchased a flight to go up and visit her, which was super awkward. I tried to get out of it. I really did. But then I went up, and then I realized, you know, i got to fight for this lady because she's the one. And then sure enough, I, best sales pitch of my life. I don't know how I landed it, but I, I won her back. And the rest is history. Here we are. It's 2021. FaceTime exists, and I don't even need it because she's my wife now. But we survived. We made it. But I got to be honest, those were some tense moments. Like when the relationship's not right, like I know this is not where I want this relationship to be. Nobody likes to live in that kind of tension. And that's not how God wants your relationship with him to be. And that's why he gave us Jesus. And when your relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be, you guys, that's where you experience the peace that passes all understanding. That's where you experience the peace that guards your hearts and minds. It keeps you exactly where you want to be. Because when you start losing that peace, it's guiding you. It's blowing the whistle. Whoop. 
get back on track. Because this is the relationship that God's called you to. This is the relationship you were created for. And we get to experience the fullness of that peace because of what Jesus has done. He has redeemed us. So that's the first thing that Zechariah points out. He says, he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. And I want to challenge you with this today. You can experience peace because God has remembered you. And you are never forgotten. Well, we talked about that a little bit last week when we talk about hope. Hope, it, it believes that God is with you, that it, it, he is present, that he doesn't leave you, that he doesn't forsake you, that when you walk through the darkest valley, that he's there. And I want you to know that when God makes a promise for your life, the promise that he offers us of this gift of salvation, of forgiveness, of the opportunity to be set free, to have a right relationship with God, that gift that he offers us in Jesus, I want you to know today that that is for you. It doesn't matter where you're at, what it looks like, the journey that, that you've been on that brought you to this moment. God's faithful, and he keeps his promises. And how cool is it to know that Zechariah, who's been processing this for such a long time, I mean, can we just personalize that for a second? Zechariah, who'd been a priest in the temple, I mean, one of these holy people who could go into the presence of God, this guy who'd been praying his entire lifetime, just, God, would you give me a child? For that prayer to, to be unheard, for that prayer to be unhandled, unanswered, for that to be something that was so heavy on his heart for all those years. Think about how amazing that statement is to know that, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. I felt like I'd been forgotten. I felt like I'd been left behind. But no, God remembered me. He's redeemed me. He's paid the ultimate price so that I could be set free so that I could experience life, that relationship with him. And he hasn't forgotten. He's remembered me. And I can experience peace in my life because he remembers. I can put my trust in his promises. And I want you to know you can do that today. Again, peace is the inner calm that comes from confidence in your relationship with God. He's there. Say yes to him. You can trust him. Jesus changes everything. It goes on to say, Zechariah now, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. I mean, that's a big statement. Peace with God helps me to recognize that, again, I don't have to be consumed by that brokenness, by that tension. I don't have to live in fear when the presence of God shows up, like it did with Adam and Eve in the garden. They realized, oh, we've sinned, we've fallen short, we're, we're afraid, we're, we're hiding in the garden from God because we're filled with guilt and shame. No, I don't have to live that way because Jesus changes everything. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness. Jesus is our holiness. He is our righteousness for as long as we live. And then it gets deeply personal. And this is a powerful moment. I love this moment. He looks at his little boy. The promise has been fulfilled. He's been waiting his entire life begging God for this moment. He's finally holding his little son John, who's going to prepare the way for God. And he says, and you, my little son, 
will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. What an extraordinary statement that is. Zechariah realizing that that promise that God has given, he's holding it. And he's realizing John, his son, is going to guide the people of God to the path of peace. The ultimate restoration of that relationship that was broken. And I just want to encourage you, you can experience peace because God has rescued us. He stepped out of heaven, he became a man to pay the price that we couldn't pay to give us a gift we didn't deserve. And he's done that so we could experience that life, life to the fullest, life that is for here, now, today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. I encourage you this Christmas season to lean into the peace that God offers us through Jesus, the peace that we celebrate this Christmas season. I ask you this question as we come to a close. Are you experiencing the peace of Jesus in your life? Can we just stop and consider that for a moment? How is your relationship with God? Is your relationship with Jesus up to date? Is there a barrier in your, in your walk with him that makes you feel like you're running away in guilt and shame? I encourage you to lean in, to say yes to Jesus. Let, let the peace that comes from knowing him guard your heart and guard your mind. Keep you exactly where you need to be because he came so we could live life to the fullest. And that life that is full comes from knowing him and trusting in his promises for our lives. It's unbelievable the grace that God has for us, the incredible love. Honestly, you ask me, one of the most difficult things to understand about Scripture, about Jesus, about our relationship with God, I think the biggest question that I have is, why in the world does God love us so much? Because, man, he leads the way with his generosity and his kindness. In his grace, he draws us to him. And that gift that he's offered us of Jesus, man, it changes everything. And it's, it's my goal today, again, that we could all leave here today just fully experiencing and claiming that peace that he has for us. I think that comes in two ways. I think the first step you have to take is you have to say yes to Jesus. And here at Crossroads, we're looking forward. For the next few years, our mission is to invite as many outsiders to a changed life as we possibly can. And I just want to challenge you today. If you feel like you're sitting on the outside looking in, that doesn't have to be your reality anymore. I'd like to invite you to a changed life. I'd like to invite you to experience the peace that comes from saying yes to Jesus. Because you don't have to walk in guilt or shame. You don't have to live in fear. God has forgiven us. He has set us free. And it all happens when we say yes to Jesus and put our trust in him. And so I want to close today by doing two things. I want to say yes to Jesus together and give everybody a chance to say yes to him because that's a huge step. It's the first step in our relationship with God. But I also want to pray a prayer of blessing over everyone here today that you would leave today walking in the grace and in the peace that Jesus has for you. Because I don't want anyone here to leave today wondering where they stand with God, feeling like there's a barrier between you and your relationship with him. I want you to leave knowing your relationship with him is up to date. And so I would just ask as we come to a close, would you stand with me? Because the first thing I'd like to do is to say this prayer together. And I would like to do this a little bit differently today. 
I'd like you to repeat this after me together. So I'll say a line and then you say a line. And I just invite you, if this is the first time that you are saying yes to Jesus, we want to celebrate this moment with you because this is where your journey with Jesus begins. This changes everything. And if you have questions about what that means to have a relationship with Jesus or you're saying yes for the very first time, we have pastors here today at all of our campuses who would love to talk to you. Here in our Goshen campus, they're up here at the side of the room. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to give you a free Bible. Wherever you're at today, this could be the moment that changes everything. And so I invite you to say this prayer with me. And just repeat after me. The first line is this, Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the Savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And if you said that for the first time today, I want you to know that there is a celebration in heaven going on right now. I believe Gabriel, the angel that appeared to Zachariah, is probably dancing right now uh, because of that decision you've made. That's the picture that we see in heaven when someone says yes to Jesus. And again, let us have the chance to celebrate that with you today. Come talk to us. We have a Bible to give you, and we want to take this journey with you. But before we go, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over each of you today, that we would leave today walking in the grace and the peace of Jesus. So would you bow your head and close your eyes with me, and let's pray together. God, you are the God of hope. And we recognize today that this gift that you have given us in Jesus, it changes everything. Jesus, you are our hope. You are our peace. And so, God, we ask that you as the God of hope would fill us with all of your joy and all of your peace. God, today as we put our trust in you, and I'm just asking today as we leave, God, that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would turn your face toward each and every person gathered here today and fill us with your peace. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen.